Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. 196. That's Ian Ferguson. It's a packed country. It is 196, not counting the uh, the one-off episodes we did at conventions that weren't part of the... the uh, it's fine, the they don't count. count. They don't count. Uh, we're here to talk about lots of fun stuff, life-changing events such as Atari Hotels in the work life changing yes nintendo logo almost changed uh another uh, a good article from new york new york times about graded games and more and a brady rookie card limited and other things going on here uh first we got some announcements uh something sad happened over the weekend uh kobe bryant passed away along with his, his daughter gianna and uh, uh seven other passengers in a, in a bad helicopter crash uh, one thing I want to say about that is, um, obviously, life is precious. We don't know where we're going to go at any time. And it was cliche. So just, uh, you know, make sure we cherish what we have. And, uh, you know, that's about all I have to say about that. Hold on to your loved ones a little longer. Uh, it was very sad news, but, you know, it is what it is. We have to move on with things here. Um, good news, Ian. Not yes. for resale. Not for resale has a release date of February 11th. That's the target date. Nice. For digital and physical. You got to have a physical release of a movie that talks about the death of physical media. So we, we have to do that. And um, go to... It's going to be, I think... I'm going to redirect from either GameStoreMovie.com or NotForResaleMovie.com because I've got both of those and we got a couple other ones. And um, Ian's going to take a look at the movie the next week. You don't know which one you're selling it from yet? Well, I mean, we, we registered a few different URLs <laughs> to okay. redirect. So gotcha. one of those, they will, they will all redirect to either Amazon. It'll be an Amazon video on demand for rent or buy or, or purchase. We're trying to get it on Vimeo. Some people use Vimeo. We're looking into good old games, which seems to be a good fit. Um, it'll also be digitally available on my website, ultimatenintendo.com or notforresellmovie.com as well, and also the Blu-ray. Uh, but... The, the, the great news about this is going to be screening at PAX East, February 28th, 8 p.m. at the Bobcat Theater. Sounds dangerous. I think it's a big theater. I think. I don't know. I've heard the name Bobcat Theater before. So the, you know. So if you're around at PAX East, you're in the Boston area, you know, come by and take a look at this. this yeah, that should little, be fun. Should be a fun event. How we, long's the movie? Uh, we kept it under 90 minutes. It's like an hour 24. Nice. Nice, perfect length. Not, not like, uh we you know we made some we made some hatchets to, to the rough cut the rough cut was like an hour 50 so we we cut that bad boy down yeah i think an hour and a half is the right length for a really almost any sort of doc yeah unless it's something like so intense like um like these like yeah we're not talking like i mean yeah netflix series that are seven hours long you don't need a ken burns style documentary on 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 on, on this uh, topic re- retail yeah well you never know <clears throat> we got kelsey on the back here we got joe santuli couple others 
on here. So anyway, so that's what's going on. Uh, of course, uh, at, at, at com, you can get the limited t-shirt <laughs> there. You gotta hit it twice to turn it off. Uh, we also have the enamel pins. We got, we sold a decent amount of these last week, so I'm glad you guys like the design. See, Ian? Yeah, thank It you. pays for you to be annoyed by that. By what? Uh, that. Yeah, the, by the sure. mushroom in the long run. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure does. Um, as well. And, of course, certain NES Super Nintendo guidebooks are there. Um, Royal Rumble ha- happened last night. And, and I traditionally watch... Two, two nights ago. Uh, oh, that's right. Sunday night. I traditionally watch the actual Royal Rumble match each year because it's fun. Royal Rumble match is fun. Yeah, I usually do. Uh, this is the first year in a long time I, I haven't. It's usually the only pay-per-view I care about. Now, most years, though, you you know who's going to win. It's rarely a shock. Um, it was a semi-shock when Shinsuke Nakamura won it two years ago. Even though, even though they did nothing with that. He didn't win the title at WrestleMania uh, with that. This year, it was kind of clearish to me, or clearer who was going to win. Because the big change was... Uh, which was a great idea for lots of reasons, was that this year it was Brock Lesnar said, I'm going to enter at number one. I'm going to prove that I can beat the hell out of everyone. Uh, you're not plugged in there? Should be plugged in. Brock, Brock said, I'm going to prove I'm, num- I'm the best. I'm tired of hearing I don't defend my title. I'm going to run through the whole roster. No one can beat me. Great, great concept, because it hasn't been done before like that. Uh, champions have entered, like Hogan entered before, but that was a four, it was like four WrestleMania shot, things like that. So, so Brock goes in at number one, and he tosses everyone out almost immediately, the first, like, three or four people. And it's like, okay, wow, they're really building him more. Obviously, he's a monster. And then there was a, a, a couple callbacks. Kofi comes in to try to get revenge. He never had a rematch after getting beaten, like, five seconds before, which was right. stupid. So Kofi teamed up with, like, Mysterio. Mysterio had his issues with him before because Lesnar beat up his son, Dominic. Right. And then they, they had uh, Big E came in. So they had like a, a three-person team up for a bit, and it was working for a while. Brock fought back and eventually eliminated one by one. So it was it was actually logical and like well-paced uh, there um, until you, you got to like halfway through. At first, you're like, are they really going to have Brock do this the whole time? I said, no, they weren't. Because it, it even he was you know getting tired, and they sold it. He was oh, more tired. Oh, he can't. Yeah. He, but he was doing a great job. He was doing a great job up to that point. And it, and it wasn't like... Some guys got some shots in, too. It wasn't just, like... A couple guys, yeah, immediately he was just fucking ragdoll him out of the ring, because he would. But um, uh, then it got to... It got to Ricochet at, like, number 14, and Ricochet put up a decent fight until Brock, you know, threw him around, of course. And then 15 was uh, Drew McIntyre. Now, McIntyre, since he came back to WWE, uh, what was it, two years ago, has been, like, on fire. He's been... a a totally reborn character. They brought him back with Dolph Ziggler at first as a tag team, and then McIntyre broke away, which was right. And McIntyre, they've really pushed as, not like a super monster, but that he would still lose to, like, Roman Reigns, because who doesn't, of course. Ro- Reigns never loses cleanly, for the most part. But um, they built him up as as a formidable opponent, um, and they just haven't given him the green light, and, and now was the time to do it. Like, now was the perfect time to do it. So, Ricochet... And, and McIntyre has been a heel for the most part. Not even a tweener. He's been like a straight heel. Right. But, but a heel where he's like, I'm just the best. You guys aren't as good as you should be. You guys are playing video game stuff. So it was like a, not like a just total asshole heel. It was just like, you know, I'm here to prove myself. Sort right. Of like, more like a, I guess like a Japanese style character almost where it's like, you, you're not working as hard as you, as you can. And, you know, where, where's your where's your spirit? Where's your fire sort of character? Which you don't see too often anymore. And so... Ricochet is like slumped on the court, dead. McIntyre gets in and stands down Brock. 
well, and this is a great way to do it because it protects Brock as well a bit. But Brock is, uh, is physically tired in terms of his character, but also in reality because he's been throwing guys around. Yeah, he's gassed. So Ricochet um, uppercuts or he, he low blows Brock, Brock. Brock sold it like, oh my God. And then Claymore kicked by by uh, McIntyre to send Brock. I mean, Brock did a great job. He flew out of the ring. Like, oh, yeah. It looked like real. How how well he sold it, and he looked like he got killed, and the crowd went fucking nuts because the crowd was at this point like, okay, Brock can't do this. We're tired of seeing him, but so it was like the perfect way to build up the moment to, to McIntyre. So at that point, it became like a standard Rumble match for the last fifteen, which that's why I liked it because like the first fifteen was like something different. The last fifteen was more traditional, and you had more of the bigger guys in the last fifteen because they didn't want to get thrown out the first fifteen. Right. Um, so the biggest one was uh, which. Everyone was shocked by they kept the secret. Edge comes back. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't uh, watch it, but I, I saw. And I, I, I always mean, liked Edge. I hadn't heard a, a a pop like that. I guess when Daniel Bryan won at WrestleMania, it was probably that big. But I mean, it was like an Attitude Era pop. Like That's it was, cool. It was nuts and well deserved. I was Edge is beloved and his career's cut short. So I saw in the news that he did get a second neck surgery a while back, but I thought that oh, maybe he's going to get it fixed, but it, he revealed it on Raw that he did that to, to, I guess, correct it to see if he can come back. And Oh, wow. So it might not just be a one-off. No, he's around. Oh, okay. He's 47 or 46, but he looks in the best shape. I was going to say, he looked he like looked, he was he in was shredded. shape. Now, obviously, we've come a long, long way <laughs> in the past 10 years with nutrition and fitness and, you know, you know ways to take care of yourself better. Uh, so you can do this, but obviously the neck issues and things he couldn't because even that last run he had he wasn't in the best shape probably because of the neck and he could, probably couldn't work out as much. He looked in the best shape he's been in probably since two thousand five or four. Oh, that's good. And the crowd went nuts. the The direction on these Royal Rumble matches in the fucking uh, in the van or whatever the trailer fucking sucks because it's happened with AJ Styles. Remember how bad it was AJ Styles not focusing on him? Oh Edge yeah. Comes out. I understand you got to show the crowd reaction. They kept cutting ADD to the crowd so much that you barely saw Edge run out. Finally, they focus on Edge. Then they cut away on Edge getting in the ring and spearing Dolph Ziggler. You don't see it. You had to see it like on the fucking replay ulti- other angles. <laughs> what the? Stop over-directing this shit. Let it breathe. Right. We understand the crowd's into it. We can hear it. They got to focus on crowd guys going, oh, like, can we see the action in the ring, please? That happened with AJ Styles, where like they cut away to Brock's, uh, to, excuse me, to Roman Reigns' reaction for like thirty seconds. Like, what are you doing? So anyway, so he came in, was great. He he uh, speared the hell out of everyone. Unfortunately, he actually injured AJ Styles on a spear because, of course, AJ Styles sells everything like he's dead. AJ Styles like did a whole spin around and landed like directly on his shoulder, with, like really like jammed his shoulder. So he had to get eliminated after that, like gingerly. But there was a lot of good, cool moments. Reigns versus Edge. Uh, was awesome because you didn't think you'd ever see that. They both do the spear, and then Edge got the better of them. Crowd went nuts. Uh, Orton comes back. They had an awesome, uh, like, the last 10 minutes was uh, rated RKO teaming up again, mm-hmm. their old tag team. The crowd fucking loved That's it. That's cool. There was a good moment where, like, Randy Orton's like, hey, you're looking good. Like, you're looking ripped and shredded. Like, it was, it was great. It was like the, it was, it was just fun. It was a fun rumble. And so the, the last four was Edge, Roman Reigns, uh, Orton, and uh, McIntyre were left. Great final four, like fantastic, like the best final four in years uh, to have in terms of like people that are over, people that know what they're doing, and people like the fans like like a good combination. So it ended up 
uh, where um, I forgot how oh Orton got eliminated because they were teaming up two on uh, two against the other two, and then. Randy Orton just goes like that, and Edge turns around and sees him like preparing for the arcade. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And, and Orton's like, "Okay, you got me." So then Orton then goes up, and then so then Edge dumps him. Great moment, fantastic. So then and then it was Reigns and Edge fighting on the outside of the ropes, um, while McIntyre was hurt in the ring, and then uh, Edge uh, is like wobbling, and then Reigns just hits his arm and he falls down. Logical, makes sense. Roman Reigns gets back in the ring, uh, you know, Irish whip. Claymore kick like right away. They didn't even fight for like five minutes. I mean, like t- twenty seconds. Claymore kick dumps Reigns. Crowd goes nuts. Best nice. best Rumble reaction I I can remember. Probably the least the last ten years. Yeah, I can't like, really think of any. And they because um, usually I've been disappointed with Reigns winning like whatever two three years in a row. People are like come on. Yeah, uh, this was a great reaction. So they built they built him up through Brock being a, a monster. Perfect perfect build. Uh, and now he's like a, a face all of a sudden. It was a turn uh, because he was like staring down Brock out of the ring, and now him and Brock have a thing. Brock, you know, heard him on Raw, so great. It's like it's like the best Rumble I've seen in like fifteen years, and most people uh, I thought, saw on Twitter were agreeing that was a great Rumble. Yeah, I didn't see anyone complain about it. Like, um, I'm almost, this is the first one Paul Heyman booking. Maybe that's why, but it was it made oh, sense. really? Yeah, yeah, it made sense. It was fun. It was the proper winner. Usually the winners are disappointing. Obviously, remember the one that Dan- everyone wanted Brian to win, and, they- and no, the one that he wasn't even in that year, Daniel Bryan. That's right, the one where he should have won. He wasn't even yeah. in the Rumble for thirty. Yeah, no, they haven't been great. And then on the on the women's side, Charlotte won again. Charlotte's going to be, I guess, in the main event fighting. Um, I guess fighting Becky again, which is like boring because we've seen it like twenty times. But whatever, it'll yeah. be a good match. But it's just it's we've seen it, we've seen it. Yeah, I think the Be- the Becky thing is still people still like it. I think it's growing a little thin to me. Uh, she's been champ now for uh, since last WrestleMania when she beat R- uh, Ronda. That's right, and um, I don't. They got to bring. I think they got to bring in some fresh talent. Uh, they, and they got to use Sasha more. Sasha, I think, is injured right now, or she wasn't even in the Rumble. And uh, they, I think they had to use her. I thought more. she was leaving. She was, and then I think they resigned her. Then they get they, they push her to the main event. And then she got beat by Becky. That was like in the fall, and now she's sort of fallen by the wayside again. Mm. So. It is what it is, but good rumble there. Uh, I enjoy it. You, you know, what, what games have you been playing lately? Anything? I uh, played some deadly games. It's a I, deadly uh, game. I actually started doing Ring Fit Adventure, mm. um, <clears throat> which is a lot of fun. Looking shredded, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it kicks your ass because I mean, no one likes squats. I like uh, squats, and it's squats are very much the the focal point early on. Um, and I had it set on like the second highest difficulty. Really? So, How many? There's, there's four difficulty levels. There's four. So okay, I'm, I'm the third. It's and uh, yourself. Um, yeah, it's like you know, it's like you do 20 squats, like a set of squats to take away like half an enemy's life bar. So if you're playing the game for like half an hour to an hour, you're doing a lot of squats all the way to the floor, or just like half. Yeah, I mean, you do them as well as you do them okay I mean, but uh yeah i mean I, my legs were feeling it you know considerably and uh yeah it, it, it it's one of those things where like you know you're using the the pilates ring you know and you know a press of it or a pull doesn't feel like much but it adds up it. yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely adds up um i also uh i started playing this game called uh war sim uh like Warsim? It, like it sounds. W A R S I M. Okay. Um it was on sale for three bucks. It's normally five bucks. Uh it's an entirely text based It's a rogue? No. 
it's an entirely text-based uh, war simulator where you make all the decisions from a menu and you watch numbers go oh, up and down. Oh, we're talking like old PC game stuff, yeah. like 83. Yeah, and there's 82. a lot of shit you can do in it. It's been uh, in early access, I think, since 2017. And It's the, an ASCII. I'm looking yeah, at it. Yeah, it's all ASCII art. And the guy like updates it constantly just adding new shit to do and new phrases and things like that so it's incredibly addicting humans average goblins civilization level there's there's all sorts of things you can it's do it's all text it's all text and uh it's on steam it's on yeah steam. it's on steam i played it for the realm of aslona war sim there's millions of like it just randomly generates races and stuff and like the landscape and yeah you just go through and you can pick how many turns you're gonna play for you there, can play endlessly it shows the ascii faces yeah oh, this is great it's it was awesome Hell, what was, i said 83 no this is like a 1980 game and uh boogeyman ants tree men mushroom men there's all these things harpies there's like 80 different races and characters there's millions literally millions, millions that just auto generate yeah I mean, I mean, millions in terms of it. Just yeah, it'll just generate random races. Aquamancers. Okay, I see what you're saying. It's, it's like putting together different. Yeah, it puts together different things, and uh, yeah, it like it's a great game for like late night because I can just sit there and kind of mindlessly play and just watch numbers change, and uh, yeah. so you get like a choice of like. Like, it looks like recruit troops or... Recruit deploy. troops, invade, explore. You can go hang out in the uh, Coliseum and place bets on fights. But all in text. All in text. You have to keep it all in your head or write down what's going on? It, keep it, a pencil it, pen? it keeps track of stuff. No, I know, but like, how do you in your head be like, okay, do you have different troops in different areas? Or uh, You can check. It yeah. tells you where everyone yeah, is. You can is check. there a map? Like an ASCII map sort of thing? Um, No. Not really? Sort of. Looking at, looking at the, the face characters are so funny because it's all ASCII. Yeah, the faces are pretty funny. <laughs> Grand Prince Umaga the Knight. And it's like this face with ASCII. So, yeah, really good. <laughs> and then uh, a lot of games this week. The last thing I was playing, I played um, for a few hours last night. Um, visit the arena, visit the bank. Nice. My buddy and I discovered this game called Wreckfest. I don't want to say discovered because, I mean, it's apparently popular and it's been out on... Uh, I wrote about it, actually, for Patreon this week. Um but it's a demolition derby game, and I freaking love demolition derby games. I, I, used to, I used to love destruction derby. Yeah, I used to play the, the original destruction derby. Um, used to play the original destruction derby, and then there was a game called Test Drive Eve of Destruction that was on the original Xbox and PlayStation Two that we used to play. And we used to always like Lincoln would bring the Xbox up, and we'd play that game. We'd just sit there all night and play it. And we always said, "There's got to be a market for like." A modern one of these. Oh sure. So I was online the other day, and I don't even remember what I was, who I was reading on Twitter. But someone mentioned something about a game called Wreckfest, and in my mind, I immediately pictured Wreckfest. I immediately pictured the spiritual successor to those games that I wanted, and I googled it, and sure as shit, it was. Twenty years later. Yeah, a game, you know, a game called Wreckfest. More than was, twenty years later, Destruction Derby was well, like ninety-seven. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like Test Drive of Destruction was probably like 2005. So yeah, like you know, fifteen years later. So uh, Derby games are fun. They're, yeah, they're they're just they're they're fun. They're mindless fun. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I like to play them. Oh, this looks nice. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. By There's, Bugbear, published by THQ Nordic figure eights and ovals and you know demolition derby arenas and there's even like some of the the crazy stuff like a loop-to-loop course and stuff like that there's like some stunt stunt courses oh this looks fantastic with the old style crappy cars yeah but i've been like 
I haven't been able to focus on anything lately um, for a lot of reasons, and this game is perfect because, like, Bugzilla. There's not like a huge, it's not like a huge story or anything. Like, no. I just you just go on like, and I was playing online after Lincoln left. You just go online and hit, you know, uh, quick game, and it just randomly puts you into another game with like twelve to twenty people. I just bash them, just bash them up, and and do it again. That so. was a little more pricier, I think, than than the the first game we talked about. Then. Uh... Yeah, no, uh, yeah, uh, Wreckfest is, I think it's a $40 game brand yeah, new, which actually that. isn't that bad. There's also DLC and Season Pass stuff, too. Really not that bad for a game that's, uh... Looks good. I didn't, it's on any consoles? Yeah, it's on PS4 and Xbox oh, One, and okay. it was originally a PC. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Hadn't heard of it. Yeah, I looks... I heard of it last week, but apparently people are playing it. This is like a Martin Scorsese thing. We're not hearing about these smaller games. We're just hearing about the big yeah. AAA ones. What the fuck? <laughs> it's true. So... They're not. They're not games. They're, they're amusement park ride. Well, all, all these games are amusement park rides. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm I'm actually really impressed. Hopefully, that War Sim game does does well. That's. I feel like there's room for this like this text only genre to come back. Maybe. It's fun. Yeah. Manager games are a lot of fun, and they don't need a lot of special graphics. Football Manager was text based forever. And plus, you know, it, it's so much easier to program those if you know. You know what I mean. Right, and if you're you know done with using your imagination a little bit, yeah, they can just keep adding in new stuff, which is apparently what the guy has done in Warsim. Um, like the change log for every new version adds like 225 things. It's just it's nuts. When you first said, I was like, "What? You can download one of these fucking mobile game apps?" No, That's my first uh, Warsim. So <laughs> buy it now at the apps. Yeah, I found both of these while browsing I, both those games hey. while browsing Twitter. It pays it, it, it pays to pay attention to what people are talking about, like and actually find sure. these games that aren't you know necessarily like the I, number one. I feel about. like we should reach out and do a, do a Warsim sponsored video. We, you see all these sponsored videos for these mobile games. I think we should do for War. <laughs> yeah, I'll try that. Warsim came out uh, a few years ago by uh, Hugh Mill Millward. Did it there? There you go. Yeah. All right. It's awesome. Anything else happening in this intro before yeah. we, we cut it off? Right yeah, we're the, cutting right, it all right at the knees. Cutting it right off. All right. Moving into Atari hotels. Yes, Ian. Uh, wow. With with nostalgia, we have we have you know multiple systems based upon forty year old plus properties on the way. We have. Uh, in a television system, we have a new Atari system. We try to have a new Coleco system. We saw how that went. So now, it seems that there's going to be hotels that are Atari branded in the works. And this is a deal reported originally, I think, by Fortune reporting this. And uh, these are going to be hotels that are going to be several hotels all around. Uh, first one's going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. The CEO, Fred Chesney, told uh, Fortune here. Planned features for the hotels range from arcade bars to fine restaurants, with a smattering of augmented and virtual reality tech in between. Select locations will also feature eSports studios, facilities that will be able to both host and broadcast live events to fans via the internet. It's something I've always wanted to do, uh, says Chesney. I've always wanted to make an amusement park, and hotels would be the first Step. So they're partnering with Arizona-based GSD Group and True North Studio on the deal. I had an idea, uh, and no one told me no, so I'm doing it. Well, this is the thing, though. This is a licensing deal. Right. So this isn't Atari's big, dumb idea. This is someone coming to Atari and said, we want to do this. We need to license the brand from you. Atari can't build their own hotels. They don't have the capital to do that right. or the interest. But this is this is someone... This, this GSD group and True No Story saying we want to come to you, 
We envision there being Grand Atari hotels. We picture this being a thing where people are going to want to, like a hard rock, I guess, gravitate towards a hotel, maybe with an Atari logo on it and with, like, wood grain features inside and Atari games, maybe. Maybe there'll be, like, Pong games built into the bar that you can see, like, look down. That'd be cool, I guess. There. And so this deal, reportedly, uh, the the numbers I saw was Atari's going to receive for the licensing deal, an upfront payment of $600,000 plus 5% of the hotel revenue. Great deal for Atari. Atari. They don't put in any work. This is what happens when you're a licensing brand. People come to you with speaker hat ideas or watches and you say, hey, that's fine. We don't have to make it here. here. Pay us money. You can use it. Plan for Austin, Texas, Chicago, Denver, Las Vegas, which that would be the only place it might be able to work because Las Vegas is gaudy. San Francisco, San Jose, and Seattle. And then, yeah, they're saying that ground will break on the Phoenix one this year. I am I missing something about the Atari brand? Like, has it be, has it become something that matters again in the past two years? Two years? Three years? Or are this? Again, you can't play Atari. If someone comes to you and say, we want to use your sure. your brand, we'll give you money, you work out the deal. I just can't believe it's... First of all, I, I can't believe that they would get 5% of the revenue on top of the upfront cost, but I guess I guess it makes sense. Hey, if you're draw, drawing people in with your brand, but you, you blame the developers because I guess here's a... They got to be like 60 to 70-year-old guys that are saying, oh, a video game's hey, Atari. Atari. I remember, remember, my, yeah. I remember buying a system for my grandson <laughs> in 1980. <laughs> right. So because of that, video games are popular, and I'm going to do a, the- a... Not just one, several themed hotels. It's the several that is really, like, mind-blowing to me. Like you said, give this a shot in Vegas first. It might have a chance. There's a lot of weird themed stuff in in Vegas. There's a Hooters Hotel Casino. I ended up at one at 4 a.m. one time. I won't say how. You know, there's weird stuff that you can't get away with anywhere else. But in Vegas, try it in Vegas. Maybe it'll work. I cannot picture an Atari hotel in any, like, big city. I just just can't picture there being an advantage where I'm on Expedia or Orbitz trying to book a hotel. What you look like when you book hotels, Ian, you look at the star rating and the price, right? Per night, usually, and then maybe you look at the, the you know the, the the amenities on top of that. But you look at okay, ninety nine bucks a, a night. It's three and a half, four stars. How many people are going to jump to? Oh my god, it's an Atari hotel. I got to try it. Deals in, be damned. I'm going to Atari in 2020, mind you, not 1980, not even 1985. Forty years after the peak of Atari was probably you want to say eighty to eighty two. You want to be generous? Yeah. 82, 83. That was it. It fell off a cliff after that, the brand. It fell off a cliff. Held on for dear life throughout the 80s. You got to the Jaguar. We saw what happened there, and that was it. That was it. Then became a publisher, and that was a whole different company at that point. I mean, I don't think they realize that. I mean, the exact opposite of what they think they're going for is what people are going to look at. They're going to look at it, and they're going to be like, A, what? Or B, this is cheesy looking. And on top of that, now you have this brand deal built in. This is not going to be... I I do not picture this being like, you know, like a Motel 6. This is going to try to be like a semi-luxury hotel brand, I would think. I would would think, yes. Because you're you're pushing in that direction. And plus, you got to... 5% of your revenue, you got to give to Atari, so you... It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a cheap place to stay. I just don't. 
Um, it talks and this Fortune article talks more about changing the the structure of the company, uh, retaining what he calls the core of Atari, uh, the, the CEO, the brand intellectual properties, but outsourcing development and distribution of products to third parties. Yes, you're a licensing brand. That's what licensing brands do. You're not make, creating anything, anything yourself. That's why this system is, has been a disaster of development because they don't know what they're doing because they're not. They it's don't a licensing brand trying to create yes. something. Yes, and we're seeing what's working out there. It consists of 20 people relying instead on a roster of contractors and strategic partners. That includes AMD, Kingston, Arcade, OneUp, and others. The strategy has worked. According to Shanae, Atari is officially in the black, and in its most recent earnings release, it reported a gross profit, its gross, of $10.4 million. Well, there you go. I mean, it works. Yeah. It's working. I would say, though, from that $10.4 million, you have a few million from backers, so probably, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe. And then you also have, you know, you have deals like this where this stuff may not, may not ever come to fruition. Stuff like the Atari Watch, I don't think was, was ever released, as far as I know. I never heard of these, some of these these indie giggles actually happening on the on the Atari Watch uh, coming out. That's the last I heard. Atari Watch did that ever get released? The Atari Watch from like three years ago. Atari Game Band, the Game Band. That's what it the was. The most powerful campaign. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a video you see. Yeah. I don't think it got released then. Yeah, I don't think it did. Uh, the best way is when you go to the comments of an old Kickstarter and you look at the comments. There's 3,400 comments. That's probably not good. Crowdf- uh, right here uh, from lillipudding.com. Crowdfunded game band watch canceled. There you go. After they took in... Oh, Ian, they just took in $325,000, uh, the people that did that. That's all. That's all they did. That's all. So... So this is the danger, not only of nostalgia, but people that, well, you're trusting people to put these things together. If, if this is a big group that's doing this, they can probably make a hotel, I would think, if they can afford a drop 600000 on branding. But I just, I just can't get over this misplaced... Um, Importance in the entire brand? Of, of any of these old properties in television, where the scope, it's, it peaked 40 years ago. The people that were around then are now in retirement. Or close to. Right. That were around when these things were popular. So, like, no one under... I can't picture anyone under 50 seeing an Atari hotel and being like, we got to go there. We got to see... We got to play... We got to play asteroids that's set up in each room. Or whatever the hell... Like, what What could they add on that would be... Besides the, the Atari logo, which is an iconic logo, I would think. People might recognize that. But what beyond that will draw you in to a hotel? I just don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Esports has nothing to do with Atari at this point, and I don't think there'll be a draw for people to go to play in esports events. Well, my thing is, at this point, unless they do something really wow and brand new with their esports arenas, there's already places that are like well known. There are esports places. There's one in Vegas that was set up. Right. I I think the MGM. I think the MGM hotel has it. I forget. Yeah. So like, and they're they're trying to get these esports little. We talked about the one in Philly. They're trying to erect. There's like other ones. So. Correct. Uh, targeted, <laughs> targeted at both business travelers and families. The Atari hotels uh, may not have, may have not see significant occupancy challenges. This is for everybody to come and experience something that is vintage and retro and nostalgic. Murphy says, "It's almost Atari meets Disney meets esports meets augmented reality." Once no, you start throwing, you have, in, once you start doing that, you've lost because there's no focus anymore. We're talking yeah. about focus when it comes to marketing and branding. Atari meets Disney. Two entirely different things meets esports, entirely different meets augmented reality slash virtual reality, which are, again, two entirely different different things. things. 
Someone has an idea and too much money. That's all it is. It's awful. Uh, well, it's a company that says we want to make hotels, but now we need a hook. And it's going to be a, it's a bad hook. I don't think... Honestly, if you if if you put a gun to my head, if you said, "Hey, if we did a bunch of Nintendo themed hotels," I don't know if that would do that well. I don't know if this themed hotel. Well, that's I was thinking that like, when we started. Like, I, I, like Atari. Like, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna try to go for a video game themed hotel, I think Nintendo would be the the brand to try. Yes, because that's the biggest one. That's and I don't Disney. even see that working. I don't know if that would be like that. Could be like a kitschy thing. Maybe like maybe you do a Nintendo hotel around where they open up the Universal Studios thing like that would work there but like like even doing a Nintendo hotel like in Phoenix just having it there just to have it I don't know if you'd get people to stay there versus anywhere else I don't know if that'd be a big enough draw to keep it occupied I just don't M- maybe I'm wrong I just these themed hotel things I don't think have worked out in the grand scheme right like these Hollywood ones and these hard rock things like they've it's like yeah hard rock is known for being like a like a like a rock and party place but like I don't know I think we're past that, that is was, it I don't know like they do like those like Sunday you know like be like pool party things I don't know Ian I don't think of the ones in Vegas again it's all Vegas sure the debauchery uh, hotel chains I don't know with the young 20 you know 22 year olds uh, there. I don't think that's been the hard rock market for a long time. I don't know. But... What's, what's the one that you walk in and there's all the Hollywood relics in there? That was Planet Hollywood. I those thought. are still around, right? I have no idea. Are those popular? Probably those are, not. Those were big in the 90s when like Arnold was opening them up with, with like Stallone and stuff. Are there other themed ones that have come around the past years? Uh, Cartoon Network has done a couple of themed motels. Motels. But smaller like things that seem like they're, you know... It could probably there's probably enough demand for something small like that. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not going with a full blown like a red roof in, not like a, a like a right. story hotel, yeah, or what have you. Like like, like a Vegas style hotel, like where it's like it's they're gigantic. Yeah, no, nothing, uh, nothing else that I know of. This Fortune article also talks about the upcoming VCS racking up ten thousand pre-orders. Um, talking about you're gonna like this. This is why I had to do the Fortune article. We're a little bit PC. We're a little bit game system. We're a little bit stream box. That's what the chief uh, operating officer of Atari Connected Devices said. Ah, we're a little bit, uh, we don't know what the fuck it is. But they also send this article, a Fortune article. The VCS is a gamble for Atari, especially with both Sony and Microsoft bringing new game consoles to market this fall that could dampen its sales. Oh, dampen? A wet towel. <laughs> I think for these retro systems coming out here. Um, our core market is not the gamer who's going to buy the PlayStation or the Microsoft machines. We're looking for someone who wants to have a casual experience in the living room on the big screen. Someone who wants to do more than play games. We're we're, we're who- getting off topic here, but I, I want to. <laughs> I, I need to talk about it because it's the same sort of fucking shit that this said about the the Amico. For people who want a, a casual experience, there's nothing about a Switch, an Xbox. Or a PlayStation that prevents you from having casual a casual experience. Casual. What they're trying to say is that there is somehow a somehow something that only has casual stuff on it is better than something that offers you both. Designed not to have the horsepower to do more. Designed not to draw in 
you want to call them the hardcore gamer markets, that's better. No, it's simple focus. deals. You know what? So is the PS4. So is the Xbox. So is the Switch. If, if someone can learn to use your UI, they can learn to use any of the other UIs. There is nothing that... You can have a casual time on the PlayStation 4. You can have a casual time on the Xbox One. They make casual games. They make collections of old games. Stop trying to act like these systems are only for the most hardcore and can only be cracked by people with what, fucking what's degrees this, in video what's games. What's this controller with eight buttons on it? It's, oh, I can't lose anymore. Ah. It's idiotic. It's fucking idiotic. But that's their marketing. That's that's their own. I know. Shot. It's just it. it mark. It, 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 it's a mar- It's marketing. It's, it's speak. stupid. But they even said that in this article that um, that the console lacks focus. This Fortune article is like being like, okay, it has no focus. It's a little bit PC, a little bit console, a little, a little bit stream bit box. PC. And it only became a stream box <laughs> after you randomly added in the ant stream shit. Like, just, oh, this is what we're doing now. So now it's a stream box. Uh, this is going to like this at the end of this article. God, they, they called up Fred. Um, now's the time, this is Fred Chenet saying, the CEO, now's the time to work on some Atari game shows. Now this, Now's the time to work on some feature films based on our properties. I don't think you're going to ever see, ever see that Asteroids movie or that Centipede movie or that Pong movie. I think they talked about that Pong movie. I think they realized. See, what happens is what happens is a lot of people that have the money are older, so they're out of touch with like what's current. So they see, oh, Atari, Pong? Are game shows even a thing? What was the last big game show that people game watched on TV? Game shows are still big. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was big. and you know. But I mean, since. like You've got your... Deal or no got, deals. You've got, you've got your Jeopardy and your wheel. Yeah. But I mean, has there been a new game show that's really cracked the market since... There's a lot out there. I see the commercials for them. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, was it I, maybe it's Keegan Michael Peel holds one where it's all about mind games or it looks pretty cool? Okay, you know, maybe it's with maybe it's I, just not something I pay attention to. I think there's still room for game shows in this day and age, but an Atari game show? No, no. The, again, these are people I think that have a lot of money that are probably in their fifties or sixties or it could be early seventies, where it's like they have been so out of touch where they see. Something they can easily get a branding for, and they figure, oh, everyone knows about it because I knew about it, again, 40 years ago. And that's what they're going off of. So, all right, I'm going to stay at one. I feel feel obligated to stay at one. one. The one in Vegas. Weird. Okay. I want to try it. You do I want to see how, how... Well, if I'm going to be in the area, I'm not going to like on purpose book a flight to go fly to to Vegas. You know, Vegas flights are, are cheap from San Diego. You don't want to, you don't want to stay you don't want to play asteroids in your hotel room. Yeah, it just sounds weird, man. Just weird. I don't want I, get a, I, I don't get a, want to walk in there and be bombarded with Atari branding Atari, at every turn. Atari VCS in every room. Like 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 it's some sort of fucking alternate dimension where Atari won the 80s console wars. So like like wood grain rooms, there's Atari logos on the wall. Like it's going to be that in depth of of the are they going to sell like the Super Bowl T-shirts that like have the T? Like you know how when like they make Super Bowl T-shirts, yeah. like they make them for both teams winning, and then they ship off the other ones to like overseas where people couldn't use the shirts. Are they going to sell like the T-shirts for the team that didn't win in like those lobbies? Like what? What world did did Atari ever succeed well enough <laughs> to require hotels? Again, like, if this was 1982 before the crash, you'd have a shot, right? Matter of fact, I'm surprised that there wasn't anything like that. Like even just like a, a, a try. How old are your your nephews and nieces again? My nieces and nephews. Yeah. My niece and nephew, uh, seven and three. Do you think the seven year old knows what the hell Atari is? Like 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 
No, she knows what Sonic the Hedgehog is. Okay. She loves Sonic the Hedgehog, but she doesn't know... She'll, I, she'll grow up not, never knowing she, the love of She probably Atari. does not know what an Atari is. <laughs> okay. All right, there you go. Case in point. All right, moving on here. So, uh, Reggie has uh, been doing interviews. Reggie, uh, Reggie Jackson? Reggie uh, Fizeme. Re- Re- Reggie from the from the the fucking idol from from American Nintendo. Idol? Okay, For, well, well uh, ex Nintendo Reggie Fizeme. Was it Reggie at American Idol? What was that guy's name? I thought it was Reggie. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, so he's been doing interviews, and uh, on in December, late December, he did an uh, an episode of Present Value. Uh, it's a podcast about business leadership Ooh. recorded by Cornell University graduate students. I love to listen to that. And uh, they talked to him, and they were talking about you know uh, you know his time at Nintendo, and he uh, mentioned um, that when he joined Nintendo. Uh, it says here, when I joined Nintendo, there was a sense of almost shame that Nintendo appealed to young consumers. Uh, we see that, I think, sometimes when Nintendo comes up with an idea, especially when Nintendo's releasing new consoles. People like to say Nintendo's for the kids, it's for children, it's a kiddie sure. console, etc., etc. Um, and it's interesting that he brings that up because it's something that Nintendo themselves apparently were, were grappling with. Um, so he says, the marketing uh, team at Nintendo started doing things with the logo. So that classic Nintendo logo, they would put it in like a graffiti style, or they'd do different things to try and age up the logo. Oh, Jesus God. I put a stop to that because that is not our brand. What we needed to do was, yes, appeal to a broad swatch of consumers, but we needed to do it based on what the brand stood for and not in some false way. After reading this article before the podcast, I started thinking about how long the Nintendo logo has existed without any real changes. How long does it go back um, to? I think they said uh, it goes back to the 60s, I think they said. 60s. I was going to say 70s, um, 60s. Yeah. Um, so and talking 50 years. Yeah. And uh, just that classic oval. And, I mean, to me, personally, that logo is it's, it's synonymous. I can't picture... I'm looking at it right now. So the, the, the Nintendo font, according to this Logopedia site, which exists, the, the, the actual Nintendo with the current font was 67, and then the oval came in 70. So like 50 years. That's crazy. And then they, they obviously revised it, but they, they did, before the oval, they did this like trapezoid thing first. They, they experimented with that for a couple of years. But we're talking 50 years, the current logo. So um, I think a logo that has, the longer this logo stays around, the longer that you know they're associated with it, I think this is, the, this is it. This is it. And the less you want to try to make it current in any way, shape, or form, because whatever you change it to, then you're never going to strike gold like this twice, Is I guess is what I'm saying. Well, it's so ingrained. It's like the Walt Disney logo. Right. You can't imagine them changing that logo. Right. Ever. The font, anything. If you ever did, it would immediately look aged and tacky in almost no time. Because things become ingrained in culture, become classic. They just, in your mind, like, part of, I think, the pe- reason people went nuts when they went to New Coke, they also changed the, the font. Yeah, they did. This block font instead of the the script. And people were like, what the hell is this? This is the way the Coke logo has been for 100 years. And now you're changing it. Like, what are you doing? And with logo and branding talking, oh, it gets into business speak. But the whole point of of having a brand is that people know about it. Recognize it. They know what it stands for. And they they recognize it. The minute you try to, to tinker with it, you could be starting from scratch again. Why would you do that? Why would you risk it? If you may never get back up to the point... Scratch and claw to get to the point you're at having a recognizable, you know, 
brand. I think you could show uh, a lot of people that oval and be without the text in it and be like, what's missing? And people would probably go Nintendo. You can make that argument. Or even just that font and write out something else in that Oh, yeah. Font. Easily. I don't know anyone who uses that font. You know, they have, a, they have one called Pretendo font. You can download it. It <laughs> mimics it. I used a little bit. I wonder what the typeface is actually called. I wonder if it has a name. If it's well, just well, called Nintendo. I'm sure that a lot of times they just mock it up the artist probably on staff, you know, 50 years ago, whenever they started in the 60s. Um, Fiza May's mention of a cleaned up presentation. What was he talking about here? So, so okay. Let's, let's, so he talks about cleaning uh, up the presentation, and that's what they need to do. And basically, what they and that started with, I think, really the with the we. Okay. Um, was they really everything got very? Uh, I almost sterile. Generally, bring neutral is, colors. Is yeah, but when you say sterile, sterile can sometimes have a negative connotation. But it just very clean presentation. Lots of white. Um, you know, lots of use of space. Everything looked very professional um, and ageless. It didn't make any uh, over, over, like overly ham-fisted appeals to youth. Um, I don't know if you remember, like their advertising campaigns in like the late '90s and early 2000s. But Nintendo got kind of edgy, edgy, play yeah. it loud, things the, like that. And there was like, you know, there was a lot of like sexual innuendo in some of their ads and stuff like that. Huh. Um, and uh, it, it they, just, went, they went extreme. They try to like, yeah, latch yeah, on. yeah. What's in your pants and stuff like that? And it's just like, yeah, the, the magazine ads, it, like you know, the the scrawling, like yeah. like writing and stuff like that. And it, it just guys with guys with like you know like mohawks or whatever. They probably did. And like I said, <laughs> you know, you can do that. And at the time, you may be like, yeah, this is the right advertising. But you look back on advertising like that. I mean. There are some people like me who looked at it and was like, this is dumb advertising then. But you look back on that as a whole. Everyone looks back on that 15 years later and goes, that looks dumb as shit. It lo- you, you can, try to be edgy at the time. You, you, can, you can point out exactly where, you know, what era that advertising is from. You know, you, when, you, when you do something, I think, a little bit cleaner like they did with the Wii, um, it, it, it becomes a little bit more timeless. It's classier. Yes. Well, when you talk about the, the play aloud and that stuff, that's when they took the wrong turn. That's when Sony was starting to beat the hell out of them, too, right, at that point. So they probably were, like, desperate. They'd be like, okay, what can we do now to try to, like, gain back some of that market we lost? You know? Yeah. Like, big time lost. Right. In that, in that you know, PlayStation versus N64 war. and didn't work out. I love this article. I want to listen to this now. Reggie, I, I give Reggie more and more respect the more I hear about this guy. Um, he said that... Um, when he interviewed for his role at Nintendo, he, and he got the he got this first job in 2003 and came into more power in 2006, um, he confessed to owning both an uh, an Xbox and a PlayStation 2, but not a GameCube. He was honest, and I always tell people when you interview, be honest, never lie, yeah. because they can well, obviously they can read you, but they'll figure it out if you're lying. So here's a guy trying to get a job at Nintendo saying, "I don't own your current console," which also could have been telling to the marketplace at the time, though. Because more people had a PS2 than a, than a GameCube, for sure. Right. You know, and, and the Xbox was doing Game Busters as well. So, um, yeah. He called it Nite- the lapsed Nintendo status. As a consumer, I could see issues and opportunities. He had previously owned the N64 and other Nintendo hardware. I could have a sense of where the needs were, not only from a sales and market perspective, but, but just from an overall perspective. There you go. Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah, I want to listen to that episode, too. Yeah, no, I want to. It sounds like it would be fairly interesting. Um, I'm not big on the whole, like, Reggie seemed like a pretty cool guy. 
but no. uh, I'm not big on the deification of, of like business no. pers- personnel. And uh, it got weird with Nintendo fans and Reggie for a while. But oh, yeah, uh, he definitely seems like an interesting person, a very smart person. And I, th- I think that would be a good listen. I'd, but like, I to, think, I'd like to learn more. But about I think that. as time goes on, you're going to with these stories coming out, you're going to be like, he really was more influential to oh I'm sure he was and that, that's what I'm that saying like are, even yeah. though I'm not like into that whole like weird cult of personality stuff uh, I do believe he did a number of good things for Nintendo and I do believe a lot of it did stem from him truly growing to like the company that he worked for because this is important like when he said uh, he advocated he said he wouldn't take full credit for it, the tough tough decision to include Wii Sports as a pack-in he advocated for it rather than potentially sell it separately and move 40 to 50 million copies at 40 bucks or more which was the the absolute best decision to have it packed in with, with the Wii. Yep. was a brilliant decision uh, to do that. You would not have sold 40 to 50 copies at 40 bucks or more. You would have sold like a few million. Especially know. in an um, era where the packing game had become a, a lost thing. But it, that packing game differentiated itself from the other consoles in the market and, and it's what gave that initial huge push. Because it used what was there yes. so well. You could have it, it, it if they packed in like, you know, like a new Super Mario Brothers game instead, yeah, it would have done well, but it wouldn't it would have had that been that paradigm shift that the Wii provided right. and what got it over a hundred hundred million in sale. It's fucking insane. I mean, you think about you think about how like popular the PS4 is, and I think that's only done like maybe I don't know what it's at now, sixty thousand maybe, sixty million, sixty million, yeah. Um, but think about that. There will never be another Nintendo console, knock on wood, that gets to a hundred million like that. That's insane. Uh, that that could be the last time you ever see that. You know. So, um, oh, okay. Uh, what's the PS4 at? Sony just hit a hundred million. What the PS4? Yep. It's been out for what seven years? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Impressive. All right. But Nintendo ain't doing it. <laughs> Nintendo has that slice market now. They're not going to hit a hundred million again. Hey. Like yeah. I mean, forty mil, fifty mil, or whatever they'll, probably, end they'll end up probably with. end up between fifty that's and sixty great. for the for the Switch, and that's after the, the twelve million from the Wii U. That's great. And plus, again, you know, the 3DS is dying out, and that sold a ton with the DS uh, there. So, all right. I, I I like Reggie. Don't don't make him a god. He's a nice guy, a good businessman. You know, I I walked next to him one time. I should have said hi to him. I was at E three. He and he had his he had his um three DS in his hand. He was walking around, twice street passing. <laughs> so he he, he he. I mean, and that's I think why so many people did fall in love with him because they're like, oh, a, a company guy who actually does the stuff that he he sells. Which well, is, you, I well, mean, you should unique. if you're smart. Yes. If you're smart, you do. You know, he worked at what he worked at what pizza company for that. I'm sure he was eating lots of pizza. Forty pizzas in thirty days. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't. He was the anti Papa John. <laughs> Thank goodness. There. All right. Well, listen to that. What's the podcast called? Uh, Present Value. Present Value. Check it out there. All right, Ian Patrick. We have another getting heated up from this talk about business. We have a, another article. This is like the the third or fourth in about f- four months about graded games being sold. This was from the New York Times. I really have New to York think about Times. these these journalists that are I think with Washington Times. Posted one. They're, they're getting news about Heritage Auctions and WADA, I guess. And, of course, our buddy Chris Kohler did an article as well, and that was back in the late summer he did it. This article is called, Collectors Are Spending Thousands on Video Games They Will Never Play. Nice, direct, to the point. Interest in factory, and this is by humorously though that's something that I've been saying. I mean, for years. I mean, it's not just this new wave well, of collectors. This is always yes, been. but when it's in, entombed in plastic, you really can't play it. Sure, never can do it. This is from Jason Bailey. 
Um, almost Justin Bailey. That's kind of weird. It's like, close to that. Uh, interest in factory sealed video games has soared in the past year, and collectors have been able to quickly flip the most coveted titles, making a substantial profit there. Yeah, that's the lead. That's the byline here. So, talks about interest in factory sealed video games has soared in the past year, with some companies aggressively targeting collectors for more established markets. The hottest investments are games for the, the NES, with, which popularized characters like Link, Mega Man, and Mario's in the 80s. Uh, one collector, Donald Brock Jr., who runs the website Columbia Comics, said he has spent about 50000 buying vintage video games since his first purchase in March. So 50000 in less, less than a year. Than a year. One sealed NES game cost nearly fifteen hundred. He had it graded and then sold it for more than twelve thousand. We ha- we see that all the time. We just saw the Contra sell for a ridiculous amount. Right, sealed worlds like two years ago when it went for ten percent of that value. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing it now. Uh, this article talks about the million dollar sale of, of a purchase of a dozen games. It even mentions the uh, Mega Man that sold for seventy five thousand that we just covered like a week or two weeks. So ago. this this uh, ju- not Justin Bailey. What's his name? I just is Josh Jason Bailey. Jason. I'm going to say Justin. Sorry, <laughs> Jason Bailey. He's on top of this. He's covering this. Uh, collectors say that multiple gold copies of Nintendo World Championships, uh, only twenty distributed, making it one of the rarest NES games, has reached the six figure threshold in private sales. Now this is weird, and this is why I see, this is weird. I got contacted by one of the big collectors, one of the three people that owns the hundred thousand copy Super Mario Bros. And he said, "Hey Pat, I heard you sold your gold NWC for one hundred fifty thousand." I said, "That's news to me. I hadn't heard about that." So I don't know if there's there's always shenanigans going on behind the scenes. Maybe I'm not going to say someone else maybe told a, a fib to push their value, their gold NWC up. But, like, it's weird that, that I would be the first to hear about that rumor from someone I know is interested in a gold one. Right. So something there's something going on. I didn't put that out there. That That's true. I got the email saying, hey, Pat, I heard that there. So this is – and then here comes the controversial statement I'll let you take here uh, from Josh Hamlin, the owner of SideQuest Games <laughs> in Portland, who I know. And I'm sure he's a great guy, but you almost can't pay too much because stuff is going up so fast. Mm. I also know the article probably needed its quote and its soundbite, but man, that is, that's a horrible... That's a rough soundbite, That's Josh. a rough one, yeah. Um, you definitely can. That's how people get into trouble in markets. That's how markets bottom out. That's how people fucking take a bath. You can always pay too much. Yes. You can easily pay too much for things. This is this is what happens when a speculative bubble is created. The reason why they can as a matter of fact, it's language like that that when language well, like that pops up, that's that's when I immediately am like, okay, it's we've it's, gotten too it's it's spe- too far gone. It's speculative rhetoric to say you can never spend too much money. It's uh, it's not responsible to say that. No, so you have to be careful. With that, uh, and, and so he he runs SideQuest Games. He advises comic book collectors seeking diverse, to diversify. And we've spoken about this before, and other people have said that that comic book prices are magically coming down now on some of these older key issues because they are seeing what to them the untapped video game market and saying, "Oh my God, I can make a fortune on this. I've already made money, you know, with the speculation in the comic books. So now I'm going to diversify and get into this, and it's happening." Right, it's happening before our eyes, and this is again only the past year. But also, I mean, you have also have to wonder because we've talked about this. We talked about it around Comic Con about uh, you always talk about, it, I believe, with uh, Amazing Fantasy fifteen um, about how a lot of those copies were kind of just being sold back and yes. forth to people already. Yes, within. Yes. I mean, once you've that, that, once you've already played out your limited market, what 
what happens from uh, there. The prices have to go down if you legitimately want you to move price, them any further. When you price out the the regular collector, I was priced out of the Amazing Fantasy 15 market. It got to a point where even if I had the money, I was not willing to spend $16,000 on a very low-grade issue. Sure. Maybe if it was 5000 but not 15000 Like, everyone has that point where now this is totally ludicrous to me. You might say, well, it's ludicrous to spend 5000 Pat. Well, to everyone, there's a certain point where it becomes totally, totally ludicrous to do that. I've been trying to you figure know. out what price point I'll play Grand Theft Auto Five at lately, and I don't know that there's ever going to be a price point. What do you mean? It's going to come down to, like, a dollar? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was literally... Uh, when we were when uh, Link and I were playing games last night, I literally, like, it's on sale, I think, on the PlayStation for, like, 20 bucks. I'm like, what price point does it have to be for me to... To actually play this yeah i mean everyone's got for various things everyone's yes. got their cutoff so so what's happened is that now all the the high grade comics are in the hands of investors and speculators like like you said there's no one else to sell them to or no one else to, to buy into the market and right so on the video games it's still cheap enough that a lot of collectors can buy in and now they're coming from other fields this is why i like this article it has it offers a differing viewpoints. Some long-time collectors are pleased, saying video games are an art form that deserves to be recognized. Video games have been recognized as an art form. To me, there's this weird fucking conflation of recognition with the value of things, which to me is I just can't wrap my head around that. Right. And plus, there are video games worth a lot of money. They're not maybe worth 150000 but there's video games that are worth a lot of money. The fact that Snatcher is worth like $700 to me shows that there's a value in the art form. There's not to be 100000 Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that at all. I don't, I don't get it. Other members of this type in the community say the higher prices are exaggerated, even if their own collections are now worth far more. And some have, have raised ethical concerns. Someone said to me, hey, Pat, why are you speaking out about this? It goes against your self-interest because you might have some of these games. I don't believe in it. I, I can't. I, I don't want to push people into a market where I don't think they should be throwing money at on top of it. Right. I just don't. Sorry, I have ethics when it comes to this. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people don't have ethics when it comes to these things. I do. Market distortion, both legal and illegal, keep that in mind, uh, ethical and unethical, is rampant in the art world, says Richard Lehun, a founding member of Strophius, a New York firm that provides legal services for the art community. Everyone is essentially trying to game the system. Talks about other things like the, the price of uh, Action Congress number one, which went up a million percent in like the last 20 years, which is insane. Uh, it, it, someone from Harris Auction says they want to get in the ground floor of this new collectible. It's not a new collectible. Right. And this it's is why... It's a new market. It's a new market you've created for a specific state of a collectible. Video game collecting has been around. People were collecting games in the 80s. They were yeah. collecting video games. As long as the games have been around, people have been collecting games. You talk about the person who uh, was your neighbor who would buy all the games brand new. My, my, my grandparents' neighbor, yes. I mean, that's that's collecting. That's collecting. He wasn't playing them. So that was like 87, 88. I would borrow Jeopardy and Paperboy when we went to Ocean City, Maryland. I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, not, it's not new. It's just a new way they've found to basically formulate the market in the image of comics and coins. Yes. Oh, it looks like SideQuest Games bought that $7,000. Oh, no, they have a $7,000 Contra Force. Not the Contra. They have a $7,000 sealed Contra Force. Um, the surging values have surprised even longtime collectors like me who for years were primarily interested in completing their collections that included arcane titles such as Color of Dinosaur, a game for preschoolers. I'm glad Color of Dinosaur got a shout out. I, I, I like, I like uh, Jason Bailey for, for going deep into the, digging deep into the Color of Dinosaur here. Well, and I think by picking something like Color of Dinosaur too, 
Um, it interestingly juxtaposes the two types of collecting that there yes. are that now exist. You have the people who are collecting the true oddities and the rarities, trying to complete a set with a game that is legitimately rare to find in any shape or form sure. in the wild, versus this, where people are buying the well-known stuff and it's now becoming popular because it was the first appearance of a well-known character or some weird off variant of or something. Or it's just a sealed, because right. I don't know... In the pantheon of video games, Contra Force does not belong. And no, it's awful. Buying it's a an sealed, absolutely awful game. I think it's above average, but we can talk about that later. We'll get a certain NES guidebook there. There's, we can just let this part of the conversation. Yeah, so die. we agree and disagree there. They only gave it three stars. I didn't go nuts. Anyway, but it's not a game that anyone's going to look back on fifty years and now and say Contra Force. That was a time and period of video games where it really struck, right. struck gold there. So to me, that's the value of that being sealed. You're really talking about saying it's worth that much because I think it's worth that much and hopefully other people buy in. You have to sell the importance of games like that. Yeah. And that's what a lot of this market, I think it's going to collapse on itself because, you know, like, the fact that you're going to have to sell, oh, well, this this copy of POW sealed, it's it's worth $700 even. It's like, why? Why is it worth that much? It's not, there's so many... Because I pulled out my collecting calculator and that's what I've decided today. So, let's see, uh... Let's see. There's someone who was who this. Uh, Mr. Hamlin said he was ecstatic to spend only $1,000 on a sealed copy of, of Ninja Turtles, even though it would have cost just a few hundred dollars two years ago. I keep telling people that. Yeah. Like, like the sealed values of a lot of stuff was, it was maybe, some of the, sometimes it was only two to three times the complete box value. Sometimes it was like five to ten times the value. But, you know, a sealed Super Mario Brothers, not sticker sealed. I saw them at conventions, no one buying them for like $200, $300. Sure. A few years ago. And now they will get those will get, you know, oh, give me, get it graded, put it up for thousands of dollars, and someone will hopefully buy it. That's what's happening. People are selling other collections, and they should. If they see this market, sell your collections, yeah. throw it in. If you're going to get the money, do it. Um, talks about the black box series, black box. Uh, and it talks about the guy that Wada put out, and that the guy that Wada put out really helped spur this on. They put out, oh, these are the different. Uh, Mario Bros. really gets into the nitty-gritty of all the different Because now these insane collectors say, oh, okay, I want that specific weird first one. Like, they wouldn't have known before. They wouldn't have sure. cared. There, there's stuff coming out that I don't know. I didn't know about the different... Um, I didn't know about the Dr. Wily thing versus Dr. Wright and the first Mega Man. I never heard it, hear, hear that. I didn't know about the first uh, Rad Racer having different pictures of the back of the box. I didn't even hear about that. People had to go and collect that information in order to say, okay, we have to really differentiate these first first editions versus the rest. And there's very few games you can do that for. Right. Black box games you can do that for, and I guess like some reprints like that that become weird, like the Rad Racer stuff and like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and then, now the Mega Man. There's, there's not going to be hundreds of them. There'll be like, you know, select few or that happens. Um, they talked to uh, Sean... From Reserved Investments, Sean Cermic, who writes a column for Antiques and Auction News. It's creating chaos in the market. A lot of these starry-eyed speculators just see dollar signs. Yes. Mm. They see it as FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, We know that. Um, When Heritage brokered a a $100,000 private sale of a Super Mario Brothers game in February, it called it the only known copy with the sticker steel intact. They gave it a 9.4. But the sale raised ethical questions among some collectors who flocked to online forums with complaints of inflated prices. Jason's doing his homework here. I like this article. At least two of the five buyers were are personally invested in WADA, 
See, I didn't know that. I didn't know there were five buyers, and I didn't know two of them were invested in WADA. The game's previous owner and a buyer are on WADA's advisory board. That buyer, Jim Halperin, we brought that up, is also a co-chairman and co-founder of Heritage. We brought that up. Dennis Kahn, the president of WADA, said that transparency was paramount and WADA employees were, were not allowed to have games graded by the company or sell those that were. Uh, several, several industry observers and parties involved in the Super Mario Brothers sale said it was legitimate, emphasizing a, a com- competing six-figure offer for the game and rebutting claims of a cabal artificially driving up the price. We're not talking about artificial investments here. We're talking about the people that are buying the games being in the inner circle of the people that are grading the games and the same people that are running the auction for the grading games. Right. That's the issue being raised. Everyone's self-interests are related. Yes. Super related here. They're bleeding over into each other. When the person has an interest in the company who becomes the expert to go on Pawn Stars to talk about how important the game is that they're trying to sell that that company graded, we have a huge conflict of interest. That's what people are seeing. It's not... It's not crazy to raise these concerns. They are happening. Right. Your your experts and the people who stand to profit the most off of this are are one in the same. Yes. Uh, since the six-figure sale, Heritage has auctioned 29 copies of Super Mario Brothers for the NES, ranging from $79 to $19,200. And guess what? Uh, Heritage is getting 20% of that. I hear, some, I hear more. I hear like they get 20% plus I get a take from the... They get a buyer's premium and a seller's premium, so it might be more than twenty percent. It might be like thirty percent or whatever. They're getting a, they're getting, they're making bank on this, and obviously, Wada is making money from grading these as well. Uh, Wada generated to raise five hundred million dollars in revenue last year. That's nuts. Okay, so there you have it. I can talk about more, but oh, we want to talk about okay. You, you want to talk about this this uh, this quote about. I'll, I'll, I'll tell, you this, tell you this quote from Mr. Richard Lecce. To me, Super Mario Brothers or The Legend of Zelda are artworks that are far more important than, say, the Mona Lisa. So Mr. Lecce, who tried unsuccessfully to sell the Super Mario Brothers copy for a million dollars in a recent Pawn Stars. That's some fucking hyperbole. I mean, Zelda and Mario are important, but, like, to immediately just go and be, like, to go towards art? We're going to take it to the, one of the most famous paintings, if not the most famous painting in existence. That is really, I mean, if they try to sell the Mona Lisa, it will probably go for a billion dollars. Like, probably. Sure. I mean, I mean, that's, not, that's not hyperbole. It would go for probably a billion dollars, the Mona Lisa. At least. Um, this, this is the problem. When, you talk, when you're talking about these people getting into the, this market, where people like me and you, we, we, we know this is hyperbole. We know that they're doing this to, to manipulate a market or get more people interested. Correct. The people that don't know this are the people that are going to lose their money and lose their shirt. The people that are seeing this that have money to blow, maybe you know, maybe they've made other investments and other things, and they're like, "Oh my God, this is—he's he, right. This could be. He's right. Like, oh, it makes sense. Mario and, and Link are well known in the world worldwide. Then that means I should go and spend two hundred thousand dollars on graded games." Because, as someone in the article said, you can't spend too much money on it. It's a dangerous combination of, uh, of, of enthusiasm that, that and this is, everyone's out there making their money. I'm not trying to sound totally bitter against some of these people, but um, they're in the business of making money from this. You don't want to take advice from people who stand the most to benefit. And the people that make the money in these markets are the people that get in first. Yes, early. And know 
they have the knowledge and know how these markets work. Every single person who gets in next is going to be on less and less money. Yes, it's like similar to, but not quite. But like how uh, pyramid. The the earlier you get in, the the more you're going to make. The more you're going to make. It's not designed exactly a, no, like a pyramid. No, it's not, but I'm just saying, but, you're, you're, on, you're on less sure footing than the person who is in before it's you. It's a step system. Yeah. It's a stair system, not a pyramid uh, you know, system here. But um, be, be careful. If you have this money, be careful, because we see this every... Well, hell, we just saw it with cryptocurrency. We, a lot of people lost a lot of money on, on Bitcoin, or they, it got pumped up to $20,000, and people were buying... Then it drops down, you know, people lose, uh, it drops down to 10, now it's below 7, I think, or whatever. A lot of people lost a lot of money. You know who made the money? The people that know how these markets worth is worth, and they know how to how to pump it up so people on the outside spend the money. The only way, the only way prices inc- increase on these collectibles or on these stocks, dot-com stocks was a famous one. Yep. People lost lost their everything buying dot-com stocks, pets.com stocks, and oh. They said at the time, these stocks will go up forever. People said that. Yep. People said that in the early 2000s, you go back and say, even though people that long time in the stock market said, it doesn't make any sense. These companies haven't don't have a track record of making any money. money. How can you spend $100 on these stocks for these new companies? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, don't get in on it. Get in, Ian. Spend the money. You'll be, you'll be a millionaire. Come on. Come on in, buddy. Join me. And then Ian loses his shirt. He loses his, uh, what type of shirt is that? Health. He loses his health shirt. Look, it looks like a. Is that a band? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, it looks like a like a band shirt. Okay. I don't have a huge amount more to add, uh, but this is a great last quote here uh, from uh, Mr. Brock, Commerce Collector, urged caution, saying that people entering the video game market need to do their homework because companies like Heritage and Wada have incentives to drive excitement. The last quote is: "It's their job to grease the machine and make sure the machine continues to run, because the machine prints money." That's the cool thing about having a business like Heritage or Wada, where if the prices even crash, you already made your money. You're not going to lose money if the, if no one buys these three years from now because you already made your money from the grading and the selling of them and taking the, the premiums. Yeah, the middlemen. The middlemen are always the ones that win in in these situations. It's always the middlemen uh, that win out because they have no risk in this. No, they're simply providing a service that is necessary to the you know the hype Both and sides, the hoopla to, to around the, it to yep. the buyer and seller here to get on it. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, anything else to add? Nope. All right. Ian. Yes, Pat. We, 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 we're, all, we're all about Bash Crandicoot. Bash Crandicoot. Bash Crandicoot. Crash Bandicoot Team Racing. Crash Team Racing. <laughs> so uh, this came up. Um, I'm all hot now. Talking about graded games. Hold on a second. We can skip this. We can skip it? This was from July 31st. Oh my god, that's an old article. Wow, we're getting some bad info here. Okay, that's kind of weird. How? Why was that recommended then? I don't know. <laughs> you want to skip that article? Skip that. Yeah. Hey, Kieran, you, you get you get a you get a, a freebie on that one. <laughs> you get a freebie. <laughs> All right, we're gonna stay with. This is good. Then we're gonna stay with the news about creative video games. That's right. Why not, Ian? Why not? Why? How long are we doing this podcast for? Two hours? No, an hour ten. Um. This was an. This happened earlier in January, and I don't know how we missed out on this. I just don't. This was a deal that happened, reported by Scoop, Scoop dot com. Is this a real website? I guess it is. I but I heard this in another place too, and I, and I believe uh, Sean from Reserved Investments brought this up as well. A 
Tom Brady rookie card was traded for a graded NWC gray card, okay? All right. The Tom Brady, it was a 2000 Contenders rookie autograph. Rookie card, get him now! Autograph number 144. Jim Mint! PSA 10 was was traded for a Nintendo World Championships gray card, WADA 8.0. It's one of those big hits that comes out of, like, the boxes, like the, the modern sports boxes. It's a card chase card. It's yes. the only reason people still collect sports cards. cards. They made it into gambling. They made yeah. it into loot boxes. You buy them by the box, and you, you hope to get, you know, one to two hits yes. that are worth something in So after the 90s, uh, the, the craze of the late 80s, early 90s died down because people realized, well, they made billions of these. The sports cards company said, well, what can we do, Ian? We'll, we'll, we'll definitely make these rare cards and we'll just there'll be chase items because uh, when i was collecting sports cards there weren't chase cards no up until like the mid 90s as far as i know like with hot cards there there was just yeah you might get a rookie card that's harder to find for some reason but there weren't like oh here's like a piece of tom brady's hair in a card right. or a piece of someone <laughs> they do like pieces of jerseys and things and you know what i mean they do things like this that piece of ticket of some sort baseball bats and ticket. they do things right. like that pieces of uniforms so this is what this looks like so what's interesting about this is now they're trying to say now that this makes this nwc grade the most expensive video game ever ever on earth because the value of this 10.0 mint card from Tom Brady in 2019 went for 168000 via auction. So now, because that same type of card was cra- was traded, they say that now this is the most expensive video game for 168000 Ian, is there anything wrong with that statement? Trade value is not the same as cash value. Yes. In any way, shape, or form. Plus... There's no guarantee the next card a year later would also auction for 168000 right. It's not money. You're going on the preconceived... Like, you're going based on something that happened oh. once before. But this is not an exchange of money, and it's not a guarantee of money. Sure. So um, this was Retro... Re, excuse me. Metro... Metropolis Collectibles. They were the uh, ones that did this deal. So... He said, I'm delighted to announce, this is uh, Vincent Zerzolo, COO of of the Vintage Comic Dealership. Again, comics, the comic people. I'm delighted to announce that Metropolis brokered a deal that is sure to shake up the landscape in both the video game and sports card collectible markets. See, if I was in the sports cards market, I'd be pissed about this Me too, because to me, it lowered the value of this card. Because the last... It raised the value of the NWC. It lowered the value of this card. Because the last graded NWC we just talked about, it wasn't an 8.0, whatever. I I think grading these... I I always said grading grading these are are stupid, because there's no Gem Mint 10 one. But the last one only went for twenty six thousand. So if I own one of these Brady cards, I'd like, be very. I'd be upset. like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Because yeah. someone can come to me and say, "Well, I just traded. I saw one trade for a cart that's only worth twenty six thousand. Give me a deal. I'll I'll buy it for thirty instead of a hundred. This is weird. We're in weird, shaky ground now with all these different people coming from different collectible fields getting into the, the video game stuff. Yeah. It also shows you someone that's willing to, to sacrifice. Maybe they, maybe they thought that that uh, sale was an anomaly on that Brady, and now they see, oh, that's well, the, the that's highest. Thinking. That's it, the it, highest that game will ever uh, that card will ever go. But this NWC will go for a million dollars in ten years. You I, can I try to say what you want to say, but to me, that person who traded that rookie card looked at that price and said, Mm-mm, "I don't believe it. I don't. I don't. I don't see that happening again." But also said that I see the NWC potentially growing. Yes. But not enough, I think. To I, I, I think that's very much they looked at that that 
sale as an anomaly. You think so? Well, let me see if I can find one on eBay right now. It's a rookie ticket autograph here. I'm going to look on eBay on here. Uh, this article also talks about, you know, obviously the, you know, the history of the NWCs, uh, you know, the, the 29 cities uh, they went through. It talks about the, the contest here. Uh, these cards were never meant to last past 1990's event. I love this. As the majority of the, of the NWC, great cards suffer from glue modding. I love that term. Label discoloration and paper lifting. Yeah, where the top comes yeah. off. Um, in the rare event, a copy of this cartridge is found. It typically presents one or more of these major con- condition issues. Yeah, mine, um, mine, mine ho- thankfully doesn't have a lot of the glue modding, but all of them have at least a little bit. None are pristine white on it. That's just the way they are. They were all manhandled, and it was put on with cheap glue, Elmer's glue, as we said in the AB, ABGN video. Let me look on eBay right now, Ian, while, if you want. So here's one on eBay right now. Okay. Someone's asking 250000 for it. They're asking, or best offer? Let's find out. Well, here's a, one for $16,000. That's only eight point five. So again, people want the Gem Mint one uh, here. This is a 95 Gem Mint. 9.5 Gem Mint Beckett 10 autograph, uh, and they're asking 250000 for it. Are there any sold that's, that's happened? Let's see if there's any sold. When you go Brady, PSA, autograph. It's a, what is it, a picture of a, it's a just ticket stub? That he, he autographs it. Okay, it's, he autographed them. I'm sure these players like signing things a thousand times. They yeah. get these deals here. Let's see. Any of these sell... One sold for twelve thousand, graded. Uh, what's the grade on this? A seven. So again, it's really what people want. These ten grades. There it is, two hundred twenty-five thousand on December seventeenth. The eight point five. It's on there. Really. So this twenty-nine is, bids. This is very strange. Then they must really. Yeah. It says authenticity verified. I guess that means for the actual product. That's a new thing I haven't seen on eBay before. Uh, that seems weird. If the 8.5 went for that much and the one's barely a grade under it, it went for 10% of that value. Huh. Collecting oh, there's different weird. ones. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's different ones. Oh, okay. There, the car looks the same. The ticket is different. I see. On it. Ah, so there's a chase within the chase. Ah. Uh, so yeah. there's the there's the playoff contenders one, mm-hmm. and then there's the contenders rookie ticket. That There's different tickets on these. Ah, see, Pat's got to learn the market. I can't throw in all this money, Ian. I got to learn the Tom Brady uh, rookie card market. God, that sounds like a really awful market. Yes, anything with Tom Brady in general sounds awful. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a cheaper version with a different ticket. That That's the difference here. So you want the playoff contenders championship ticket version, and that's the one that went for 225 on here, which now is only December. I don't. This trade makes less and less sense. Yeah, it really does. I have no idea what's going on there. What's go- I have no idea what's going on. Tally. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> My tally bid. Anyway, that's all I got to say on that. I don't I don't have much more to say about it other than, I mean, yes, I agree that if I was a holder of one of those cards, I would be upset by that trade. This Brady card is currently the most expensive modern football card and arguably the second most expensive football card overall. Jesus Christ. For Brady? From a, from a 20-year-old card? Well, again, they didn't make a lot of them probably. Only four. Wait, only fourteen gem mint examples exist. That means there's probably at least a hundred of these things. I would think. Well, one of the tickets I saw, I think it was the champion ticket, was limited to a hundred, and I think it said the other one was like one forty four or something like so that. So the expensive one, there's a hundred of them. There's a hundred of them, and one just still sold for two hundred twenty five thousand. That's a weird market. That's a totally speculative bubble at that point. Yeah, I mean, totally. 
Well, they got the money to He's throw Tom, around. Hey, great quarterback Tom Brady, but Jesus. Well, this one person, I don't know. Maybe they should have this person. But if this person knew this, they could have auctioned this off. And still, they could have won that auction and get the gray one. It still had $150,000 at least yeah, in their pocket. that's why it seems very is, strange to me. I'm trusting this article. T- 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 I'm trusting Metropolis Collectibles for making this deal happen. Long story short, it does not mean that that game is worth $148,000 or whatever the hell they As much as I was like, like it to be, because I own one, it's not. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Pat has these. He would be all for that being the case. Which is why people, I, I think, think I'm f- fucking weird. Because I was always, always the one on Nintendo saying you're insane for saying these things are worth this amount of money because there's nothing to support that. So I should have sell out here. I should just start getting in with it and just you know going for a million dollars, you know, graded graded NWC there. <laughs> All right, it's time for our Patreon. You want to talk about the R wing in Ocarina of Time? No, there's nothing to talk. <laughs> I about I want to there. mention it briefly. Okay, it's not a full topic. I just think it's cool. All this code. I don't. When you watch people do these, these um, the code execution, the code infusion it, while they're yeah. playing the game with, with the glitches, it's neat. It's it's like it's I don't know. It's magic. It to is me. magic. It's, it's making lead into gold. Like I don't understand it's alchemy. It. It's alchemy. Yeah, it's not magic. It's alchemy, which I guess is is magic. magic. I don't, so the, something came out where speedrunners they discovered a way to summon three D R wing models in Ocarina of Time that go around and shooting at you. Yeah, you can then try to take down with your weapons. It's insane. Yeah, apparently that the R wing was put in there uh, early on as testing uh, to test like Link's lock on abilities and shit like that, and it was left in there. And uh, yeah, sure enough, it's like it's like a it's like a Hitchcocking thing. Like the birds, they're all attacking you <laughs> constantly. There, so yeah, it's, it's just a fun little story. Check it out. Um, it, it's on. I guess it, it's help. It helps the speedrunners with this. It's not part of the speedrun, but it was discovered because of things they do during a speedrun. Okay. Arbitrary code execution. There you go. You get a bunch of R-Wings. It's just... God, I love that this news still comes out, that this, like, every year, these 20-year-old... Especially with Zelda, it's been happening a lot lately. This has been a big year for the speedrun stuff. Oh, it has? Yeah, from what I can tell. I don't keep track of the speedrun stuff, but it's just cool stuff that can do that. I, I thought it was nuts enough when they can do the... The um, Flappy Bird in, in Super Mario World. That was nuts. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That was insane. Yeah. You um, literally made a Flappy Bird game just yep. by, like, oh, jump four times and do... Th- I'm like... People yep. are, these people are brilliant. They're, they're, they're brilliant. All right, we have a... Ian, we, have a, we actually have a scumbag. Oh, we do have a scumbag oh, seller of the week. Scumbag seller of the week. Week. Now, this came from Twitter. Now, this wasn't a super new news article, a news item to me. Here, I can click on it from Twitter. I didn't find it. But this is a vending machine in a California mall that uh, is selling pirated, counterfeit, bullshit Game Boy games in little packets. Yep. Yeah, you can see uh, bootleg copies of, uh, like, Pokemon Sapphire. And um, honestly, it's a bit small for me to see much other than that. I can't quite uh, get it to expand. But uh, oh, there we go. Um, but yeah, they're uh they're they're put in little plastic sleeves and put in a vending machine that's in the uh, Del Amo Mall. Uh, you get all the Pokemon uh, Game Boy Advance games. You get the Emerald version. You get the you get the Ruby Leaf Green. Is it Ruby for that the Game yes. Boy Advance? Um, Metroid Zero Mission, Castlevania, 
Fire Emblem. Yep, those are all the popular ones that that are very very expensive. Golden normally. Sun. Mario Pin- Pinball Land. Is that a popular one you'd want to pirate? No, not that I'm aware of. Uh, what is uh, uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong? Spider Man of all things. So yeah, these are all like. It, it, most of these look like uh, they're the bootleg versions. Some of these may be legitimate, but uh, yeah, um, it was reported that they are uh, definitely bootleg games from people who have have purchased them. Why can't I find the tweet anymore? Did the tweet go down? Nope, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, and the tweet the tweet I saw the pictures they were bundling the games and they include like include like a little Jolly Rancher. They include a little a little. Uh, a little, a little snack in there. Oh well. yeah, there's a little Mentos or a Jolly Rancher or something <laughs> in there. And I heard they're charging twenty bucks for these. So from the from the tweet, uh, who who, who said out the tweet? I don't have access to it right now. It, the tweet was originally from um, Chris Diaz. So he said that I guess there was complaints to the mall, and this has been going on for a while. It was like, what what the hell's going on with your vending machine? Yeah, I let customer service now in October, and it's still there. Now it has shiny uh, new contact info paper taped inside um, with a email address and uh, to contact people um, and a sticker right on it, uh, Topaz Gaming. Topaz Gaming. So I guess the, the mall says, we wash our hands. It's not our vending machine. They can do whatever they want. That's a little weak from the mall, to be honest. I mean, if you know someone's selling counterfeit items. But then again, they didn't care when they were selling the little yeah. know, Famicom clones in the early 2000s on their little wooden carts in the middle of the mall. Yeah, uh, the malls je- definitely just seem to be there to take the money and, and go. If you get in trouble for doing something with their property... Well, you don't know what's being sold in our store, I guess. But right. once people keep bringing your attention, that's probably why they said, listen, you got to put a, a notice on that, contact you. So you can email that person if you want and say, hey, what are you doing here? And the worst part about it, I saw these were like $20. That's what I saw. Yeah, $20 uh, for a double pack of, of these. That's... That on AliExpress were like a dollar. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not cool. Definitely kind of gross. Um, I'm surprised, I guess... On a candy machine, you couldn't fit a bigger cartridge than really like a little Game Boy. Yeah, or Game Boy Advance. It's a neat idea if you wanted to do it legit. <laughs> a legit retro game, little. You'd have to have multiple copies of the same game. Though yes. you can't do that without counterfeiting them. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't make a whole lot of. You could do it with sense. like Silent Services and Bases Loaded too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely could. <laughs> But then, yeah, it'd be hard to, you know, you don't want someone breaking it in and still... I got, I got like, three little Samsons in there. You don't want to put that there. <laughs> no. Plus, you got to hit 750. You got to put all the bills in, all the dollars. <laughs> You'd be there for, for a while. But I don't know if you... Do they do credit cards? Or is this an older vending machine? That's like uh, I closed it down, um, so I'm not certain if Let me open that back up. Is this is this the ones you put in dollar bills? or Because they have credit cards in the, on the modern machines, don't they? For yeah, like, they do. For, like, when you buy, like, soda? Yes. You can definitely use credit cards on a lot of modern machines. Which I would never do, by the way. Uh, in case they put you know those devices on to take your number. You know, honestly, this one I can't tell. Oh yeah, this one looks like it allows a debit card as well as dollars. Okay. And why can't I access this tweet? This is so frustrating. But Ian did a good job accessing it for me. I wanted to see what the hell. Oh, here it is. Now I found it. Oh yeah, crush questions, comments. Oh yeah, you can. This definitely is a credit card one. Mm-hmm. You can swipe your card there. Uh, it takes Visa, Discover, <laughs> Diners Club, as you would say there as well and I like how there's just random stickers on there of like Mega Man and uh, Powerpuff Girls yeah uh, on the bottom there uh, I love the machine uh, stealing from this machine is a crime you will be prosecuted St- but stealing uh, 
copyrighted intellectual property to sell counterfeit games. That's fine. That's fine. Don't worry that, about that's, it. That's, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll just get our shipment from uh, from China and, and throw them in the machine there. I wonder, how, do you, how well do you think these machines actually do? Do you think they do well? I can't like imagine this? they do. Who would, who would randomly see this and then immediately say, I want to buy that versus saying, well... Can I buy? I mean, it has to be an impulse buy, right? It's like when you're buying combos from one of these machines. Yeah. You never usually say, "I'm in the mood for combos. I'm going to go out and find them." But if you see combos in a machine or Starburst, I want that Starburst. Who's going to be? You know what? I want. Um, let's see. What's what's a what's a weird one in here that you would randomly want to get? You know what I mean? Like, and just say, "I want that game right now for twenty bucks." I want. I want Mario and Sonic. Was that in Game Boy Advance? I want Pokemon Fire Red and Spider Man. <laughs> Is that a Mary Kate and Ashley game? There's like two girls on one of the. Probably. Who would want that in a machine at the mall? A copy of Cyber Tiger for thirty <laughs> for the Game Boy. You know what? I'm I'm gonna give them a small benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna say some of these are real games. Oh, some of them probably are. Yes. Because who would who would get no a, one's no one's counterfeiting Cyber Tiger. For yeah, the like, Game who would get color? a Cyber Tiger ga- Game Boy Color? No one's counterfeiting that. I'm gonna give them benefit of the doubt. Maybe the the Pokemon Fire Red is fake. Allegedly, but then maybe the Spider-Man for Game Boy Advance is There's real. There's no reason for that Spider-Man to not be real, although I have seen bootleg Spider-Man before. You have? Which is funny because... Is it Spider-Man that, 2? I'm not sure. It's it's one of the ones with the fuck, that awful typeface. <laughs> you don't like that original? Oh, I hate that. I, I Okay. Let's go to push a, put a candy in there at least. Yeah, but yeah, if there's like... If there's someone has a hundred Pokemons in here, they're they're likely not real. But yeah, some of these are too dumb not not to be real when you look at them. But then again, you know what? I'm going to go on AliExpress and look for Cyber Tiger and see what comes up on AliExpress. And I'm getting uh, uh, masks. I'm getting a geek mask Cyber Tiger mask. All right. <laughs> okay, I don't get the game. So those are oh those are scumbag seller of the week. That scumbag seller of, the week. seller of the week. Week. Mall edition. All right, Ian, we have a Patreon. How do you access the Patreon? Go to patreon.com slash podcast. And what, what do you get there? Oh, you can you can browse and decide. <laughs> you can decide. Uh, there's some writings. There's a monthly hangout. Uh, you get access to the full video podcast, not broken up into little snippies and chunkies. You get to see the stuff we didn't talk about, like like the, the, the R-Wing. The R-Wing. The R-Wing in, uh, in, in Ocarina of Time being being uh, in- infused with execution code. And you can also vote on a poll topic. That's what we're here for right now. So what, in third place, are console generations now over? Oh, 15%. In second place, any thoughts on Star-, Star Trek Picard? And some people think it's too political. At 20%. Star Trek has always been political. Yes, All the, it's always. always been. And in the first place, 63%. If you could be trapped in a video game world... Which one would you choose, Ian, if you could be trapped in a video game world? Meaning you have to spend all your time there, you can't get out, so you've got to choose wisely. So, my answer is going to be one that is, it's kind of lame, I think. People are going to be like, oh, why'd you pick that? But I did some thought. I did some thinking. I uh, haven't, so you go. I was like, alright, the Sonic the Hedgehog world would be neat, right? But then I'd be dealing with um, uh, angry robots all the time. Trying to get you. And a crazy guy with a big mustache. And it doesn't look pedestrian friendly. Uh, There's a lot of sprawl in the world of Sonic the Hedgehog. That's why he likes it so much. He can run his ass off. I can't run that fast. I'm not going to make it anywhere in a timely manner. You're still a human in in this world. Yes, still a human. So that that seems, seems bad. Seems bad. Castlevania world. Scenery would be neat. Gothic architecture. But also, I'm going to die. 
I'm gonna get bit by a vampire. You might get the, get the plague. It's like what is it like this? Fourteen hundreds or whatever the hell it is. Sixteen hundreds, right? So then I started to think about like some various. Started to think about like some of the various RPG worlds that I've enjoyed, like some of the Dragon Quest worlds, some of the Final Fantasy worlds, and uh, those are always under the threat of uh, apocalypse or doom. There's always some angry god that's coming to try to kill you. Yeah. Um. So I mean, what it comes down to is, I'm sorry. But I settled on the Mushroom Kingdom. Really? Because Bowser's not very good at what he does. You th- you put a lot of thought in this. Okay, so uh, it's 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 visually appealing. There's all all the different all the different biomes are represented. You have your deserts, your tundras, your forests. You have your cities. Oh, you're thinking of the whole world, not just like I'm going to live in the Mushroom Kingdom. You're like I can go. I can go. There's skiing. all sorts of things that I could do in okay. the Mushroom Kingdom. Go in the forest. Uh, there are there are uh, human women. Uh, I I guess they're human. Mario. There's, there's yeah, humans. Okay. There's humans in the Mushroom Kingdom. So mm-hmm. that's cool. You know, we've only seen like a few of them. Sure. That's fine. There's some. <laughs> they exist. We know there's some. Uh, Princess Peach must have parents and relatives. Uh, New Donk City from Mario Odyssey really showed us that. The, the, yeah, that's not, that's not the Mushroom Kingdom though. That's sure. sure that's sure. part of the world the Mushroom Kingdom is in. We're so, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad guys, but they're but dumb for the most part. They're dumb, time. right? They're exactly. Dumb. I feel like I could avoid Goombas. Honestly, Eternals. I don't think Goombas. And, and, and honestly, here the, the, the thing is, is like, but then I started thinking about it more. There's like, there's there's sporting leagues. There's tennis. They play soccer. Uh, yeah, the Olympics. They have the Olympics. Uh, these people get together and play games with each other. So even though even when they're enemies, so even they're, when they're enemies. So yeah. how how much of this is just for show? Cart racing. How mu- Yeah, exactly. How much of this is just for show? I could I could do good in the Mushroom Kingdom. I could be happy in the Mushroom Kingdom. You could make a you could make a meager living. I, yeah, I could. It's, you know what? They have a sort of a socialist system. There's free coins everywhere. Exactly. Mo- mo- you know, so money's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the healthcare is like there, but you know, well, there's always mushrooms to make yourself feel better. You get hurt, you take a mushroom. You're fine. Just like how Ian kind of does in real life. Yeah. So it, it works out there. It's perfect. So, yeah, the Mushroom Kingdom. That's my answer. See, but you could still die in the Mushroom Kingdom. You could still fall into a pit. You could. And there's pits everywhere. There's a lot of fire. A lot of, a lot there's of like, pits. There's volcano worlds. and mm-hmm. It's true. If a, if a Koopa walks into you, you get hurt somehow. I don't think the Koopas mean to hurt you, the little turtles. But there's invincibility stars, too. <sighs> yeah, I guess if you, you... They're called Koopa Troopas. Troop is in their name. Yeah, but they're so calm. They're not like being aggressive with you they just go back and forth sometimes right. they walk into pits themselves sure. I think they've been brainwashed and, and the Mario the Paper Mario series has shown us that some of them are quite friendly yeah you get them as party members they're friends with you sure alright Pat what are you choosing this is gonna be a weird one because I don't know a lot about this game series okay and I always confuse it with another game series alright but I was thinking about you know it, something where I have to be safe where I, I can't die mm-hmm so how many... There's not many games where you go and you can't die. Because even in The Sims, you could die. True. If you don't eat. But can you die in a game like Harvest Moon? You're just... You know, you're farming, taking care of vegetables, and, and you're relaxing. You got some animals you take care of. I mean, everything you can definitely the, go to shit. And but, people do die in some of them. Like, there's generational, like, mechanics in, in play in some of the... You can live Harvest a long Moons. life, though? Yeah, you can live a long life. It's a, it's a good choice. Uh, it seems you, like a very peaceful sort of thing. You live off the land. Can you fish in Harvest Moon? Or am I confusing that with Animal Crossing? That would be... Uh, I, I think in some of them you might be able to now, but uh, Legend of the River King yeah, is a, another Natsumi game that is similar to Which it. you're still borrowing from me, I think. Yeah. Yes. On Game Boy for, for years. But uh, <laughs> but I, I just think I want to relax. 
I want to have like a peaceful existence. I don't want to. I thought about games where it's like, well, yeah, like Legend of Zelda, but you know, you can have like, the, the, the Ganon's forces invade you. That's and, what I'm saying. Like, like it may look like life. a nice place. It may look peaceful, but it's not. It's not. There's, there's a lot always, of bad shit going down. Something going Lots of down. wars happening. You can get killed very easily in those games. Harvest Moon is a game. I'm just fucking relaxing, man. I'm, I make myself a broth. Actually, this is a good one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back because one that I've right? always talked about with Vani, uh, jokingly, is uh, Pokemon. The world of Pokemon. If you watch the anime, those kids are out walking the country at ten. No fear. Nothing bad happens in the world no of kidnappers, Pokemon. No drug no dealers. Kidnapping. They just walk around, play with their animals, camp out, make food. It seems like a pretty good life. So you, when you fight, you're not in danger of getting killed with the no, Pokemon? No, no. gets broken armor or anything? I mean, I'm sure there's been some injuries. There's been some rough is stuff any, happening. But, but is, is there any crime, like, in the Pokemon yeah, world? Yeah, your crime happens? syndicate is, like, Team Rocket, which is just a bunch of bumbling fucking goofs. They don't kill anyone? You got Jesse, James, and Meowth running around. They can't fucking crime their way out of a paper bag. So there's no murders in, in the Pokemon no, world? No, and it's apparently a very, very peaceful land. But there's still technology? You can still play video technology, games? Technology? Definitely video games. Every Pokemon game in your room, you've got the latest Nintendo system next to your TV. Are there normal animals in the Pokemon world? Because I still have like, a pet cat. I don't think so. I think they're all Pokemon. I don't think I like that. I don't think I want these these weird creatures that can fight each other on a whim and like blow up things still. You, there's a risk of being hurt. Yeah. There's a risk. I do think Animal Crossing would be a good one, too, though. There's okay. very little to say wrong about uh, bad about Animal Crossing. Shit, you get a loan, and he never asks you to pay it back. You just have to pay it back if you want more stuff done to your house. Tom Nook, interest-free loans. So that's the total social... I mean, it's, that's not even socialism. I don't know what to call that. I mean, he, a, I mean, he wants the money back, but if, you, if you're happy with your hut being 4x4, four four, that's fine. He's never going to ask you for another dollar. Is there, is there any technology to come by video games in Animal Crossing? Uh, one of the big things about Animal Crossing, the first one, was that you could get the little Nintendo games and play those. You're selling me. Yeah. You're selling me. Harvest Moon, there's no video games? Mm. What, what's the technology in Harvest Moon? I mean, it's farming tech. You, you, you have tractors and stuff? Yeah. So there's, yeah, like, there's you, electricity? Yeah, there's electricity. I think okay. It's either Animal Crossing. Now, Animal Crossing, you look like a you look like a doll though. If you're a human, right? You yes. got to change. You got to transform like a doll. Yeah. But you can hook up. Can you hook up in any of these? Is there women in any of these? And I mean, there's there's female animals, but there's no like actual. I mean, well, no, because because uh, most Animal Crossing villages, yeah, you can visit the other people. Okay, you can visit people? the other villages. Do you have a family? Uh, no, but that's fine. Who wants a family? Well, if I'm working the land at Harvest Moon. <laughs> Man, I want to, that's one reason you have twenty kids to work work the land. Get out there, milk the cows. You know, get the eggs. I I, I think I want to try Harvest Moon. I've never actually played Harvest Moon, but I think it's appealing. It's nice and peaceful. It is. It is a peaceful game. Is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, what's what's your your favorite Harvest Moon? Which one should I check out? I really like the one on. Uh, I, I really like. Um, uh, I really like actually I really like the Super Nintendo one. It's hard to find a Super Nintendo one. I don't have that. The N sixty four one is good. Uh the first GameCube one is good. Is it three D the N sixty four one? Or is it still It's three D. It's, it's well it's like sort of two three yeah. two D, two and a half D. Um the GameCube one is good. And I really, really fucking like the first one they did for the three D S, which was a ret- uh, very much a return to form. So I should check out the three D S one maybe? Yeah. A is new it beginning. Re- is there no no regular D S one? There are. They're definitely regular DS ones, but, I mean, among my favorites, A New Beginning is one of my favorites. That's for 3DS. So you get old, you, you take care of the land, you die eventually in Harvest Moon? With you can some have a kid, sun. sure. Yeah. You can have a kid. Yeah. I, I'm all about Harvest Moon. Are you surprised I picked that one? I, was, I, was, I couldn't think. I was like, you know what? I want a peaceful existence. It's a good answer. I might retire like five years to Wyoming. I, I, I say that half jokingly, but 
you know, you go out there, you live off the land or just live cheaply than San Diego, and you don't have to worry about much. Yeah. may have a little ranch out there. Want you to be in the ranch? I prefer blue cheese. What? I prefer blue cheese. Oh, Ian. All right, that's it. That's the end of that one. <laughs> that's the end of that one. That went some weird directions, I, I thought, there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was our Patreon, patreon.com slash the podcast. Um, what's coming up for us? I got PAX East in a month. And then in March, March is going to be busy, potentially, for Pat March in, in early April. Um, I won't announce the April event quite yet. But we will be at SoCal Gaming Expo. Looking forward to it. Go to the SoCalGamingExpo.com for more information and tickets. Uh, and that is going to be um, March 27th to 29th in Pasadena, California. It'll be a hoot and a holler. And I'll be at PAX East in a month. I think I said that already. There'll be two other events in the spring I might be able to announce, announce soon. Hopefully one one for sure. One is a maybe. And then we'll maybe we'll have something in June we're going for. Yeah, as we'll, we'll see what happens as we head into summer. Hopefully back to Long Island for pizza. I think I make it just yeah. for pizza alone uh, there. All right, that's Ian Ferguson. That's me. I'm Pat Contry. That's him. We got we got enamel pins and shirts at UltimateNintendo.com Limited. We shall see you later. Bye.